Amit. Welcome to Moonspeak, your source for bi-weekly Sailor Moon Crystal discussion and analysis. For now, anyway. Uh, remember to keep supporting the official releases of the show so we can get more by watching it. Well, I guess I can't really say that anymore, can I? We don't know what's going on. We're in peril. Yeah, um, I have heard that there are going to be announcements from the main site. Uh, the main Sailor Moon Crystal news site, which is somewhere within Toei's legion of websites for properties they own um but i don't think we have any official confirmation on uh the Deathbusters arc yet hmm. well so we're all kind of up in the air at the moment I-, I would suggest then go ahead and marathon it on hulu again or yeah, wherever you want it. to Hulu, Crunchyroll, Nico Nico, Neon Alley. Go check it out on all the sites and maybe people rewatching and getting a little bit of that ad money up will make them say, well, maybe there's a future for it. So, um, let's see. Uh, you were listening to episode 23 of Moonspeak, and we're calling this one Epic Cliffhanger because uh, it's an ending, but it also leaves a lot of room for another beginning. And uh, we're discussing Sailor Moon Crystal 25, Showdown, Death Phantom, and uh, Episode 26, Replay, Never Ending. So, uh, yeah. Um, before we go into questions about the uh, end of the show um, that are going to lead us through our discussion, let's talk about some of the highlights from uh, so, uh, Sailor Moon Crystal 25 and 26 and the show overall, if you want to. Um, yes. I'll start, if you don't mind. No, go right ahead. Uh, this is an amazing, fantastic show. I, uh, like, have totally outed myself as being uh, stupid for this show, like in front of friends and got laughed at, but I don't care. Um, it's because it's that great, and I've talked it up to people, and they're like, oh man, this guy, he's crazy. Um, <laughs> because I like this show. And it's funny, because like, uh, I I haven't like talked to any of these people and told them, like, yeah, you, you really need to watch this. But um, they know how I feel. And uh, yeah. So, uh, actually, somebody was trying to get me to watch another anime, and I told them, oh, there's no Sailor Moon Crystal this week, so um, I can go ahead and check that out. And they just looked at me, and I said, hey, it's a good show. So, anyway, um, some specific stuff from uh, 26. Um, so, this is from my notes of the the rundown of what happened. Uh, I, I felt like these two things that are, like, back-to-back are, like, a really strong highlight. Uh, so Chibusa tries to reaffirm to herself that she's Black Lady, uh, who has no friends or allies, but her memories of Pluto can't be stopped. Um, and she recalls their friendship and how Pluto loved her, and, uh, this is when Pluto's, like, dead or, or dying, rather, on, on the ground. And, um, her grief shatters the malefic Black Crystal earrings, and she's able to use the legendary Silver Crystal. So... She uses it to transform into Chibi Sailor Moon, um, which is really cool, and she's really happy about it. But then again, she's sad because Pluto's dead and uh, can't see her transformed. Uh, this this was absolutely heart-wrenching, and I think it's just this really important moment for Chibiusa as a character, especially if you look at how we've been examining her in Black Lady, because nothing Usagi was doing could get through to her. No matter what Usagi did or said, it only furthered Black Lady's feelings of resentment towards her and this desire she had to overpower and destroy Usagi. For the first time in what we've seen, Usagi's love fails. Nothing she nothing she does is able to bring Chibiusa back until Pluto comes out and stops time and it and dies from it. And that's when the first thing that's really able to affect Black Lady and kind of bring her back to who she is. Um, it really broke something open in Shibuya. She never had anything to protect before. And we've brought up a lot on the show how protect is really what the cornerstone of Sailor Moon as a figure is. Mars and Mercury and the other Senshi, they all fight, but Usagi protects and why would Chibiusa have ever needed to protect Pluto? Pluto was strong and wonderful and completely untouchable in this place where there aren't other people. And as the oldest senshi, she never had, like, there was never anything that was a threat to her. But the moment Pluto breaks this final taboo, she dies and becomes this vulnerable figure. So the one person that Chibiusa thought would always unconditionally be there suddenly wasn't and that was 
finally there's something for Chibiusa to protect and that she wants to protect, even though she's still Black Lady, she suddenly feels, I have all of this power and there's something I want to protect and I can go protect this person that I care about. And she can't because Pluto's already gone. And that need, along with the heartbreak of it, is really what birthed Sailor Chibi Moon and really drove home just how much Pluto meant to Chibiusa. And it was just this really, really sweet, heartbreaking scene. Uh, yeah, and another highlight for me um, would be <laughs> like what what follows right after that, which is when um, New Queen Serenity places Pluto in the Crystal Palace to stay in eternal sleep as thanks for all she's done. This was a really strangely ambiguous scene as Neostrain's like, oh, I'm going to do this for her, for all that she did for us. And then suddenly, like, Pluto starts ascending into the palace and Serenity seems really surprised by this happening. She seems very confused and didn't actually seem to have done anything. Hmm, I think I'm just as confused as she is. Because <laughs> I just thought it was like a really cool callback to like the fairy tale thing that keeps coming up in Sailor Moon Crystal, and uh, maybe there's something more there. Maybe. <laughs> I'm talking like I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, let's see. Another really cool thing was like Venus saying that she wanted to go with um, Chibi, or Chibi Sailor Moon and uh, help her mom and uh, help Mamoru Usagi out um, as they're fighting Death Phantom. And like Neo Queen Serenity just calmly says, "Don't worry about it. It's all gonna be okay. We're gonna sit here and we're gonna wait, and they'll be back soon." Um, I just love that. It was beautiful because it showed such faith and confidence in their abilities. Yeah, no, and it's... Neo Serenity just really had these really amazing reactions to Sailor Chibi Moon and to Chibiusa finally having come into her own power. And she just sort of tells everyone, like, no, it's okay. They've got this. We, we can all just wait. This is something for them to do. Uh, and then again, I, I guess this part of the show was like really rich for me. <laughs> um, Usagi and Mamoru are over where Dead Phantom is, and he's like, oh, you can't beat me, ha ha ha, and stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, that's, giant floating space skull, that's what they do. Yeah, pretty much. And they're all jerks. Um, yeah. But like, I, I really love. Skulls. <laughs> I really love that moment because, like, uh, you know, Asagi's all full of self-doubt, and she's almost believing the lies that Death Phantom and Demand, because this is echoing stuff from, like, three episodes ago, um, had spoken about the legendary silver crystal, that it just brings war and suffering. And she's like, should I just disappear along with this thing? Um, but Mamoru tells her um, to look at how many lives have been saved by her and her power, and he tells her to believe in herself, which is the first and only time he ever says that in this show, and I'm assuming in the manga. Um, thus far, anyway. Um, uh, and that, like, he was born to help her, and he'll always support her, which is cool, because it's a callback to In the Dark Kingdom Mark, him asking why he was born, or... Yes. No, it was... Well, it's, it's very... In Dark Kingdom, he didn't understand who he was, and, like, okay. why he existed, because he didn't... He had lost his memory completely, uh, in this accident with his parents, where they died. And he just, he didn't understand his purpose, and now he's found it. Right, and I think, um, that was actually, I'm talking about like, five, like six or seven episodes ago, right before he was able to use Tuxedo the Smoking Bomber, um, his, his buds came up from the stones that they were in, and, and so, told him, like, no, dude, you have a purpose, don't worry. Um, so this is echoing back to that, so, like, that's cool. Um, so then, like, it gets even better, because I'm really, uh, a sucker for the romance aspect, because um, then Usagi tells him that she can only activate the power of a legendary silver crystal uh, with his love and the kiss, and it's beautiful. And then Chibi Usagi comes uh, from between them, bearing the moon rod, and I just um, like that's, holy that's smokes! A metaphor, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's totally a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's not even like subtle. That's right there. 
but the the whole conversation between the two of them is really really sweet and it's i just really love that mommers is just this is all about you you like usagi you're the one that can do this you're the one who has this power and i'm i'm not going to make this about me i'm not going to make this about us i'm just here to help you through this thing that you have to do if you need someone to depend on, you can depend on me, but you have the strength to do this yourself. Okay, thank you. So, it's... Like, I think that's just a really nice sentiment for him to be putting out and how much he really believes in her and her strength. And that he doesn't feel that she absolutely has to rely on him, but can if she needs to. And I think Usagi really understands that and wants him to feel the same thing. Yeah, it was funny because um, that reciprocity is something that I kind of criticized early on. Like, I'm thinking when Queen Beryl descended from the sky in her, like, evil cloud. And um, you remember that? That was intense. Yes. <laughs> with, um, she was with uh, uh, Zoocyte, right? Well, I don't remember. Not, not Zoocyte. Um... Kunzai, I believe. Kunzai, okay. Yeah, like that was that was some scary stuff. But like in that one, uh like he, he caught her and then she kissed him and said, like, Alright, bye, run away to yeah, safety. What, what a, <laughs> that is still very strange. <laughs> it is. But like it was cool because uh like it, at that time I thought like, oh no, it's taking the glory from her and the power and whatever and it's like, no, it's not because they have this complete reciprocity in their relationship and it's really cool because like they're equals emotionally and like they totally respect each other, but she is the savior of the world and he's just there to help. Um, At at the time in that scene, we didn't know them well enough mm. and understand we hadn't seen enough of them and enough of them together that we really understood what was going on between them. Whereas now, because that was really right after they had first fully gotten together as a couple and now they've had all of this time and gone through this whole conflict that is very centered around their lives together (laughs) and now it's a lot easier to see that they really they each have their own strength but are willing to help but are willing to lean on each other yeah and that's probably the way it should be um okay so Okay, my last bit of, uh, like, recapping stuff, um, but that was fantastic. It was when Neo Queen Serenity grants the Sailor Guardian's new power, elevating Ami to, and I thought these were really cool titles, the Guardian of Wisdom, Rei's the Guardian of War, Makoto's the Guardian of Protection, and Minako's the Guardian of Love. And then, also, later on, she gives Usagi, uh, like, a new title, and she's the Guardian of Mystery, which, like, that, that puts in my mind all sorts of thoughts for the future of the series, um... So I'm I'm really perplexed and like uh, jazzed about what's going to happen in the future. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, yeah. And then like she sends them all away because she doesn't want to see her past self. And uh, you know, but she does anyway, which is pretty great. Yes, uh, I I do really love the scene where the two of them, where Usagi and Neo Serenity kind of come together, and I'm going to talk about that a little later in other things. But I I really do think this was a good. A good scene. It really, um, it gives more weight to the power that the girls have, where they were kind of just soldiers through Soggy before, and now their power kind of belongs to something greater that they are also going to become. Where we we've known all along that Usagi is going to be elevated to to this kind of god queen. Where and now we're seeing that the other girls themselves also have something that they're going to elevate to. Yeah, that's awesomeness. Um, so then we're gonna kind of I, I, I've structured some questions for us to go through to like talk about the ending of the series because we've just kind of praised it and I want us to get a little more critical if we can. Um, so are you ready for that? Yes. Okay, so just straight out, was this a good ending for Sailor Moon Crystal? I, I think it was. I think that's a really 
the end of Black Moon is a really good way to end an arc, and everything really just hit me in the absolute best possible way. Like, I feel like I had all of the feelings that they wanted me to have, and I feel like these last few episodes of Black Moon, it felt like the Crystal team had finally got, got kind of gotten the hang of the pacing of the manga and how, how ev- the beats that everything follows, and were really able to just bring it home. Uh, and I would just simply say yes, I'm fulfilled. Uh, it feels like a solid ending that leaves the story open for much more to happen, like I alluded to earlier. So, uh, next question: Who was the focal point of the Black Moon arc? Was her story served well? Uh, well, this is always Usagi's story as a whole. This story is about her, who she is, who she becomes. But the Black Moon arc itself really centers around Chibiusa and the effects that she has on Usagi. Chibiusa is the focal point of this part portion of a larger story about Usagi, and I think it really did serve them both well. We got to see so much come from both of them and see how much stronger they both grew from this experience and everything that they learned and became uh, just through this one bit of story. Yeah, I would say Usagi, definitely, like you you said, um, but it's, you know, through Chibi Usagi and Neo Queen Serenity, but almost, um, like, just, uh, it was almost Chibi Usagi's story because she was involved in so much, even though she wasn't, um, like, for a while she was kind of a MacGuffin and she didn't have the most active role, but, like, so much was happening to her and, um, was centered around her. Like, she's the trigger for a lot of the plot, um, but the effects it has on Usagi is the meat of the story, you could say. Um, and I would, I think it uh, reflects back on Chibi Usagi a bit, so I would almost call them co-leads um, for this part of the story. Yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of a matter... Like, Chibi Usa's whole story, or at least at this point, is all within this arc. Her her story is told through this arc as a facet of this larger story about Usagi. Okay. Um, well, where does this ending leave, Chibi Usagi? I think it leaves her exactly where she needs to be. Uh, the successor to Sailor Moon has kind of triumphed over her own fears, come into her own right, and is really ready to begin her own story as Sailor Moon. Okay. Uh, I think... Um, Kind of echoing what you said, uh, our answers were independent, so I'm not copying off of you. <laughs> uh, we, that, we do write these separately. Yeah. Um, so, I think it, it leaves her at the beginning of a loop. Uh, she's gone through one journey and is ready to begin the next. Um, it's almost as if she went through Usagi's arc from episodes 1 to 2, where she was the crybaby Usagi, but gained the power and resolve to fight. Um, yes. So, I mean... You're right. She is ready and right at the beginning and ready, you know, prepared to go where she needs to go now. So, uh, let's see. Okay, final... No. Anyway, I'm not going to give it a name because I think there's like three more and I forgot that I kept adding them. <laughs> um, so, here's the next question. Uh, could the Dark Kingdom arc have made a satisfactory end to Sailor Moon... Uh, Sailor Moon General, Sailor Moon Crystal, um, is it functionally just a sub-arc of Black Moon? And is the fact that Black Moon builds upon Dark Kingdom uh, what makes it feel like a sub-arc when it actually isn't? If you take Dark Kingdom just as it is, completely standalone, with no knowledge of anything that comes after, I think you can be satisfied with the end of Dark Kingdom as the end of the whole story. It implies all of the things that are there in Black Moon that are going to come further in the story. And I think if that's that had been the true ending of the story, fans would do what they do with the whole of Sailor Moon and what any fandom does with anything they love and expanded upon it and created this further story on their own. Sailor Moon has this very rich cosmology to explore, and it's all set up very well in Dark Kingdom. But uh, Takeuchi decided that Dark Kingdom wasn't the end and followed through on that story into Black Moon and continued building into her own world. Okay. Uh, I think in retrospect the Dark Kingdom arc uh, would have made an adequate close to Sailor Moon Crystal, but the advances made in Usagi's life and the glimpse of her future was uh, so awesome. I'm talking about what we see in Black Moon um, that I wouldn't have been happy (laughs) with it um, if Act 13 had been the final act, especially not with the surprise ending it had. And, of course, Takeuchi would have had to have changed 
Um, like, she must have known when she was writing uh, Act 13 that she wanted the story to continue, otherwise she wouldn't have had it end with the bonkers thing of Chibusagi dropping out of the sky. <laughs> so... Yeah. I mean, that's that's a direct lead-in to the next part of the story. Um, yeah, but, uh, so, anyway, uh, but, like, the story in Black Moon... Uh, is so rich that it almost feels to me as if Dark Kingdom was just background. But I suppose in that way, like, either part could have really stood on its own. Like, we could have actually started in Black Moon, and I think it would have been okay, you know? Yeah, I... With minor have, adjustments. I mean, it's, but Black, yeah, but Black Moon is just so much better with all of the setup that you get yeah. in Dark Kingdom. And then, I mean, Dark Kingdom means so much more once you see everything that occurs in Black Moon. Oh, let's see. Okay, so uh, if this turns out to be the end of Salem and Crystal, will you be happy with what we have? Um, I can be happy with that ending, but I'm also looking at this from the angle of, I know what happens in the next three arcs. I know how much more there is to explore and to learn about and to come up, and I would kind of be really sad if this was the end when I know there's so much more. Like, don't you want to see Chibiusa's first boyfriend? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. It just sounds so out there. <laughs> no, I do. Oh, I Here's the thing. Friend. I trust Hakuchi, so it has to be good. Um... Oh, that's, that's <laughs> such an arc. <laughs> um, yeah. No, so, anyway, I'll, I'll give my answer now. Uh, I will be happy if this is the last of Sailor and Crystal because it feels like this nigh-perfect closed loop, and I just don't want that to be messed up, which feels kind of dumb because, like I said, I have faith in Takuchi's ability to, like, continue to tell a competent story with these characters. Yeah, it's... There's just so much more there, and I feel like you could end it here and just kind of imagine the rest on your own. But you don't have to. Yeah, that's to. true. <laughs> so, so why should we, damn it? So... Maybe I'm just preparing myself for the possibility that it won't be continued, you know? Uh, well, then then we'll just have I to I guess so. That'd be manga. cool. Or we'll, or we'll have to go back to the That would series. be okay. <laughs> and then we'll get all of that bonkers nonsense. Uh, okay, so here's a, a crazier question. Um, if you can imagine, not knowing what is next for Usagi and her friends, what possibilities come to mind for their future... Um, given how much I do know, it's almost impossible for me to think of not knowing. Like, I mean, there's the obvious jump of you still have four, you still have three other planets in the solar system that we have not addressed. You have all of these new powers that Neo Queen Serenity granted. There's all of this fertile ground full of things very near and dear to my heart that, like, I can't just pretend I don't know and imagine not being there and then try to reimagine. Because I'm just like, but what's there is so good. I just want to do that again. <laughs> That's fair. Um, uh, you know, it's funny. It kind of reminds me of um, Wizard of Oz. I don't know if you've ever read the books, but they're... Um, they're no, crazy in the most wonderful way. I am sure. <laughs> I'm sure like, they are. Like, in the fifth or sixth book, there's 14 of them, by the way, that the original author wrote. And um, I guess he kept just writing them because kids wrote letters to him, talking about how much they loved Dorothy and the rest of the characters, and, like, they wanted to know more about them. So he kept making books. Um, and, like, one of them has the, the Rainbow's Daughter in it. <laughs> It's like the fifth or sixth one, and um, there's this little kid who's lost, and he, he he's anyway he's lost. He's he's in a sailor outfit, by the way, and then he gets a uh, fox head, um, and uh, there's a king of foxes, and just like reading from watching the movie, I never would have expected anything like that would be in the fifth or sixth book, and I never would have expected that from reading the first book either. So like, it's amazing how when an author really makes something their own and they almost have, like, a genre to themselves um, or, like, their story is so, uh, so solidly theirs, the crazy things they can do with it. And um, so I, I guess I'm just saying that all to say that, like, uh, 
yeah, there, there's really no telling where Takuguchi could go with the story, and uh, it's really exciting. Um, hmm. I think I'm just going to say that for my answer. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I know, I know exactly what is beyond this second story, and, like, I I could not possibly come up with anything better <laughs> for the next parts, especially uh, the Deathbusters arc, uh, which is I know near and dear to many people. There are a lot of uh, fan favorites. the The three who come in, the three protagonists, additions to our Senshi family, are all three uh, fan favorites of many people. Uh, I know of mine, their characters very near and dear to me, uh, near and dear to Rachel and I both. Uh, we grew up loving them most of all. So it's, I can't imagine any other way for this story to go because it's, that's what's so familiar to me. Okay, well, um, that's good, and that's great, but uh, we're going to move into a slightly, potentially uncomfortable topic. Are you ready for that? Uh, go for it. Okay. Um, so what is the show saying about Neoqueen Serenity as a mother? Uh, how much of the terrible events in the Black Moon arc are attributable to her actions and inactions? And uh, before we really get into this, I just want to make a few things clear. Um, I'm not attacking Usagi or any mothers in general or at all. Not even, I'm not referring to somebody specifically who I know that slighted me or anything like that. Um, parenting is hard and, uh, loving a child doesn't equate to treating them properly. So, just kind of establishing that <laughs> before we get into this. And you would know more about, about parenting than I would. <laughs> right. And I mean, I'm, I'm not attacking any parents. I, I am not a parent. I know parenting is hard, and that's why I'm not a parent. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, but, like, I can respect that, yeah, you like, know? that's... With my situations, I, I have no money. I don't have the money to give a child what they need. I don't have... I can barely take care of myself half the time. So, <laughs> parenting is hard, and I don't think I could do it. <laughs> so, I'm putting that out there. Uh, I completely respect parents, uh, for all, for all they do raising their kids, uh, so, yeah, just putting that, putting that out there before we really get into this topic. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels, you know, uh, if I'm feeling uncomfortable broaching it, I think, you know, some caution is due here. Um, so... Well, another thing, uh, I'm a proponent of attachment parenting. It's something I do, my kids. Um, and it's basically about meeting your child's needs as fully as you can. And the reason you do that is because they're people just as much as adults are, even though they're small and powerless. Um, so, like, they deserve the dignity of having their feelings and needs respected as much as adults do, if not more so. Uh a lot of people just call it AP. Um, AP uh, or attachment parenting is uh, it's meant to instill empathy, gentleness, and loving kindness in children. Um, it focuses on parent-child relational quality, overseeing results of obedience, and it emphasizes that discipline is about instructing, not punishing. Um, some people call AP anti-feminist and anti-woman, but my wife and I disagree. So, uh, ha having this explained, I would also disagree that it's anti. I I mean, I don't know much about it, but this sounds very much like how my mother raised me. My mother always talked to me, even as an infant, she talked to me as though I was an adult. Um, we've always, and we've always had a very close relationship, I think, because of that, because she always treated me, she always gave me the space I needed, but was very much uh, made sure that I was doing what I needed to be doing, uh, made sure that I was, that I learned from mistakes I made, mistakes she made. Um, I mean, this just sounds like a good way of parenting, 
and I'm not sure why it would be anti-feminist. Or uh, I mean, I mean, yeah, I maybe more into that on my own as it is not quite pertaining to this topic. But yeah, it's beyond I'll, the scope. <laughs> I'll definitely at least look into that so I am learned on these things. <laughs> If okay, that's fair. Even when it will likely come up again. Yeah, it may. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's see. Alright, so now that I've kind of gotten that out of the way, I'll go ahead and present this big question, and then I know you have a lot to say about it. So, uh, listeners, buckle your seatbelts. Going in. <laughs> no turning okay, so from I'm here. <laughs> Alright, so uh, I'm asking about this because I want to discuss what we should be taking away from the story. Uh, obviously, there needed to be a trigger for all this drama, or else we wouldn't have gotten this great bit of fiction. Uh, I brought this up before and want to take the opportunity to have a focused discussion on the topic of bad parenting being really harmful to individual children and the world. I get the sense that because Mamoru was a super dad, something I uh, continually strive for and frequently fail at, uh, but Usagi, but Usagi wasn't such a great mom to Chibi Usagi that um, Small Lady was vulnerable to Death Phantom's machinations and perhaps the attack against Crystal Tokyo was able to take place. Uh, sort of because of it, the, and I say that because the trigger seems to be um, Chibi Usagi taking or breaking the legendary symbol crystal out of its little case um, because the Black Moon attack struck at the same time. Could have been a coincidence, but like in fiction, why would it be? Um, Chibi Usagi took the legendary silver crystal because she was trying to cope with bullies. She was bullied because she wouldn't grow for centuries. So here comes the uncomfortable part. Uh, did Chibi Usagi fail to thrive? And that's like an AP term. It has to do with babies when they're not, like, cared for. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard about the study where there's, like, a monkey and there's a bottle with milk and it's attached to a wireframe and there's, like, a stuffed animal that's soft and cuddly. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the baby monkey will go towards the soft thing even though it doesn't get physical nourishment from it because it needs something tactile to, like, yes. comfort it and soothe it. Um, so it's kind of that thing, and uh, babe, there's this thing that this uh, physician, doctor, AP proponent, um, Dr. Sears, talks about, which is failure to thrive, and I'm kind of using that term here. Um, but, like, I'm wondering, did she not get enough uh, attention from her mother? Um, like, did she not have her needs met in a way that was suitable for her, and, like, maybe that's why she didn't grow in the way she should have? But, like, I don't understand how moon, half-moon, half-human personnel, uh, like, physiology works. So it could just be a story thing. And, but then again, Takuchi could have been saying something with it. So anyway, um, like, I'm, that's kind of where I'm bringing up the question of uh, Neo-Queen Serenity's motherhood and, like, its effects on the story. So, yeah. uh, in the end, things turn out well, as you pointed out, Sono. Once Chibusagi, like, has someone to protect in Pluto, uh, she's able to transform, which is great. Um, and, like, it breaks her darkness. Um but, like, with a living mother, shouldn't Neo-Queen Serenity have been the person who, to catalyze her growth and awakening like that and not Pluto? And, um, I mean, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm very okay with it being Pluto. I actually kind of think it's good that it doesn't fall, that that specific thing fell onto someone other than Usagi. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I think that gives Chibiusa a little more of her own agency because it's very much something of hers. It's very, it's some, because it's Pluto, it's something that belongs to Chibiusa. It's not something that belongs also to Usagi. Um, and I think that's, that's a really fair and valid point. That's, that's entirely a narrative point. Um, I do actually think it's really interesting to bring up the idea of Chibiusa not being able to grow because of this distance she has from Neo Queen Serenity. And there's a lot within Black Moon that falls on Neo-Queen Serenity, both as a ruler and a mother, and more in the sense of what she couldn't do or what she chose not to do instead of what she did. And we're focusing specifically about her role as a mother to Chibiusa, so that's where I'm going to try to keep my focus instead of her relationship to uh, the Black Moon clan. Neo Serenity and Chibiusa very clearly love each other very, very deeply. That much is clear in the scene when Serenity walks out of the Crystal Palace and Chibiusa just runs to her and all that Serenity has for her is pride and affection, seeing that Chibiusa was finally able 
to really flourish and come into her own power. But we also learn, we learn in the, this same scene where Neo Serenity is kind of explaining herself that taking on this role really restricted her power as a fighter. Neo Serenity is still Usagi, and I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind, that just as we didn't separate Black Lady from Chibiusa, we can't completely separate Neo Serenity from Usagi. She's the end mark of the woman we've been watching grow and learn her own strength from episode one, and in this era, she's someone who can no longer fight her own battles. And think about the effect that that would have on Usagi, who is still very young when she ascends to take on this role. Uh, she suddenly has this infinitely greater amount of responsibility in caring for the whole world. But if a threat arises, she can't just go out and confront it the way that she's become used to. She can't be Sailor Moon anymore. And on top of that drastic change where she has to completely resort her priorities of how to handle conflicts and how to protect people, she's now suddenly also a mother. These two things happen at the exact same time. So again, she's still Usagi. She's someone who could barely get her homework on time and I'm done on time. And I'm not saying that this is an excuse for her to have been neglectful to Chibiusa. But the timing for her was probably pretty bad. And I can compare this to, again, what I was saying. I'm not ready to take on parenthood. I don't think Usagi was ready to take on parenthood. This was an Usagi who suddenly had to take care of an entire planet and then suddenly have to figure out how to also be a good mother. That's a lot for her to take on all at once. Usagi is a very deeply empathetic character. But she's not exactly sensitive. She knew Chibiusa had Mamoru, who loved her and spent a lot of time with her. She had Diana. She probably knew about Pluto. There, I, I'm not totally sure on that one, but some things seem to imply she may have. There were other people in Chibiusa's life that made her happy and took care of her and gave her that attention. So she likely didn't think that Chibiusa needed her and focused on other things that needed her attention. So she may not have been truly aware of the problem and of Chibiusa's feelings. And Chibiusa really wasn't in much of a position to confront her. And on that note, can we put a little blame on Mamoru? Because if he went to Usagi, to the Usagi that we know, that we have watched for 26 episodes and told her, your daughter needs you, I can't imagine she wouldn't have made time for her. So why is Mamoru, as a father, not stepping in to try and bridge this gap? He was more attentive directly to Chibiusa, yes. But it seems like in some ways that only made things worse, because he only talked about Serenity as this idol queen without ever humanizing her to her own child. And he may, he didn't seem to make any effort to bring his wife and daughter closer together when he would have been the one with the most means and opportunity to do so. So, I mean, I'm not really willing to let him off the hook with the title of super dad. Um, but I mean, I'm willing to be a little more critical of Mamoru in that right, because I kind of always have been. But there's also the matter of serenity in the 30th century after Black Moon. And I think that's something to consider. It, because Usagi and Neo Serenity's contact with each other is outright said to have changed history. Neo Serenity, when she went through this loop, which she seems to have, I think this is something that ha this was a time loop that continued to happen up until when we see it did not come in contact with her future self. And the show comes out right out and tells us that this completely changes how things are going to be in the future. And we can really openly see that 
in the letter that Shimiusa brings from Neo-Serenity when she comes back to the 20th century. The Neo-Serenity who wrote that letter is not the same one that they left in, the, in Renewed Crystal Tokyo. She retains so much more of the Usagi that we see in the 20th century, and it's really obvious if you look at the letter and kind of the overlay of her that we see. She writes it almost entirely in hiragana, as opposed to kanji, which is more complicated. Mm, see, I wouldn't have picked that up because I don't. I know about the difference between them, but I just don't know which one you use when and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, hiragana is mostly for small words. Um, I'm really bad at grammar, so I don't know what things are called. But, <laughs> like things like and and or okay. and to particles. Particles. That is. Is that the hmm. word? Uh, it might be. That. That might be it. But words like that, where, were like nouns, nouns and verbs and uh, important sentence words. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they generally all seem to have kanji. Uh, hmm. Nouns, verbs, adjectives, adverbs, and she doesn't use any of those. Usagi writes like an elementary school child. That's so funny. <laughs> and she doodles this little this little picture of her still self still as Neo Queen Serenity, doing this V sign like, "Hey guys, you know, just <laughs> do me this solid." And we see this kind of overlay of her doing the same thing with this much looser body language. She does. She's not as regal. She's just the same Usagi in a fancier dress. Whereas the Neo Queen Serenity that we saw before was very regal. Was very uh, had seemed to kind of had graduated from Usagi's childishness and had take kind of internalize all of this responsibility meeting Hmm. her past self and remembering the person she was created a much gentler neo-queen serenity and i think one who was probably much more of an attentive parent because that contact with who she had been likely brought back a lot of the feelings that she had for mamaru in the 20th century for her friends and for chibiusa and she so i think Neo Serenity was not a perfect mother by any means, and even after she changed, she was probably not a perfect mother by any means. <laughs> yeah. Because this is still Usagi, but her choices <laughs> led to a future where her daughter had inherited her doubt and her fear, and was unable to kind of move past things and kind of stayed in a state where she was safe. And those feelings really consumed and warped her into Black Lady, and having those feelings can tend to do that when you don't have an outlet to cope with them. But I think the future Neo Serenity realized her mistakes uh, and was really able to share the feelings and love that she hadn't known how to before. And that really opened up this kind of new and wonderful future. And I think a lot of what we're supposed to take away from Neo Serenity is how easy it is to make the wrong choices and how we kind of have to step back and look at who we are, who we've been, and where we've been, and remember what our priorities should be. Uh, yeah. Um, I totally agree with that. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, you know, like I said before, it, um, like, in the end, all is well. And I think Usagi learns a lot from Neo Queen Serenity, just like, like you're saying, which you laid out way more clearly than I would have. Um... And then, like, you know, the thing you bring about the time loop, uh, like, I'd kind of wondered about that, but I think you're totally right that just those things, I mean, not just those things, those were, like, very, um, man, I'm trying to, like, sound smart, but it's not working. <laughs> they use the short time. Weird. Yeah. Time well, but, everything very hard to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it does. But not only that, I'm, I'm tripping up on trying to say, like, the way that they, the way it was paced, it was done very judiciously or, like, very, I don't know, like, they did a lot with just a few things. The doodle, the hiragana, like you said, which I didn't get at first, but a Japanese audience would have, and somebody like you who's more familiar with the language would have. Um, 
just like all these things really do now when I'm thinking about them and like recontextualizing them based on what you said yeah I can totally see that that is an absolutely 100% clear sign that she's a different person and I, I took the fact that she sent Chibi Usagi back um, to the past for her training as a sign that like oh things are better like look how happy Chibi Usagi is and it's not because it's not just because she's seeing um, Mamoru and Usagi who are like her friends, because they're her future parents that she knows in this different context, it's because things are better at home, because her mom specifically sent her with that, and she specifically gave, like, she has a letter from her mom, and, like, what they'd showed us in the past of the show, she only ever really heard stories or heard things about her mom and Sailor Moon, or, you know, as Sailor Moon, and, like, had contact with her dad, but not really anything from her mom. So, like, to see her, you know, like, having personally delivered a letter from her mom that her mom wrote in her own hand... Um, like just that, uh, like that was all I picked up on at first, but you definitely add uh, a bunch of other stuff that I just let kind of slide over me. Yeah, and <laughs> um, I, I think but, in the 90s series we did have a few more moments. I may be completely wrong on this because my memory is a weird thing, and apparently sometimes I will just invent stuff. But I feel <laughs> I have done that. Uh, I know there's some, there is a scene in, in Kamen Rider Ryuki that does not exist that I am 100% certain I watched the first time. <laughs> but I feel, That's funny. I feel like at the end of this arc in the 90s series, we actually see the three of them walking through the palace together. Oh, that would have been so cool. And I will try and find this to prove that I am not just making this up, <laughs> but I will admit that I could be because that has happened before. That's fair. Um, so, like, uh, after everything you said, and, like, you, you, I think you laid out a good, uh, argument for the fact, um, that New Queen Serenity wasn't perfect, but I'm gonna go out right ahead and say I believe that Takuchi purposely made her out to be a bad mother because of the utility it would have for the story and the lessons Usagi could learn from it and the fact that that fate could be averted through the crazy time loop logic stuff. Um, and, like, I think it's fair to do that because, like, just because she was um, good as Usagi in Sailor Moon doesn't mean that when she grows up and becomes this queen that she's still going to maintain, um, like, that innocence and that same heart from her youth. And, like, it's a warning, I think, to, in, to, to some extent that, like, we shouldn't let that happen to us and that we should, you know, be like Usagi and take the lessons that she learned from seeing this terrible future wrought by her changing in a negative way, and uh, I'm comfortable, I, I'm i now really comfortable saying, yeah, New Queen Serenity originally was a bad mother, and yes, she, it led she to these things. she absolutely was a bad mother. Not, in, and not like, intentionally. <laughs> she absolutely right. loved her daughter, but I mean, that doesn't automatically make you a good mom. She, right. and, but she like, didn't do what her child needed. <laughs> yeah, apparently, and like, that's okay, because that's the point of the story, and you're supposed to take the lessons from it, so... I feel good about it, and, like, I at first I was really uncomfortable, like, oh, how did Usagi become such a bad mom? But, like, now it makes sense. And it doesn't matter, because, like, you can be trying your damnedest to be uh, a good, really great, but... You can be trying your damnedest to be a good anything, <laughs> That's and true. it won't always work. I mean, like... Yeah. And I, I do feel that on some level it was deliberate, because, I mean, what what would be the point if... They went to the future, and Usagi was this absolutely perfect mother at it. Like, perfect mother, perfect queen, everything is fine, and there are just bad guys. There's nothing to learn yeah. from that. And, no, there isn't. Like, th there would be no growth in Usagi. Whereas having her may have this very deep flaw of having neglected her child, she learned so much from that, and she... She learned so much from it kind of even before she knew the depth of that neglect. Because she has to face her own present feelings about Chibiusa and her own worries about it. And then kind of confront the idea that, oh no, I, I'm not, I didn't do the best things for her even though I loved her. And now I want to go into this future and not make those same mistakes again. Yeah. Man, the uh, Queen Serenity, Usagi, Neo-Queen Serenity, Chibi-Usaga 
Chewy Usagi thing really does make for this great um like focus to to explore Usagi's character in so many different ways and have it all reflect back on her and and help her to be better. Yes. Like it, it's like such a good idea. It all it all comes around in this really great way. And I do I do want to give Crystal I feel a lot differently about Chibiusa now at the end of Black Moon experiencing it now than I did when I was a kid. I I feel a lot more for Chibiusa. I feel a lot more positively towards her. Um, So, I mean, I, if I went back to my like nine year old self, like 20 something years ago and told her like, Hey, you're going to think differently about this kid kind of take a take a harder look at her like i i don't know what i would say to myself <laughs> uh you're living the story right now I am. right i am <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> uh okay well um do you have anything more to say cuz i think we've done a pretty good job of uh like strangely enough if this happens to be our last episode i think i'll be proud of the work we did on it you know yeah no i really I'm I'm pretty sure this is all uh really all we've got for Crystal. Uh I did I did really like kind of the shots of everyone when they got back, uh just to tack on. Uh we see Ray uh visiting the club president and kind of consoling her. Uh Makoto with uh that kid she kissed. <laughs> uh, it's so sad we can't remember his name right now. <laughs> I, I do not remember his name. Uh, but we. But he's adorable. We see uh, Minako and Ami going to Crown, uh, visiting Motoki, and then we see Luna and Artemis together in a moment that completely destroyed my heart. <laughs> um, I just I thought it was kind of very nice to see everyone coming back. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Um, do you? Uh, well, shoot. Um, do you, uh, did you have stuff you wanted to talk about from Otakon? Um, the the main Sailor Moon thing I I ended up going to was the photo shoot on Friday. Uh, I want to thank the absolutely wonderful Sapphire and uh, Sailor Uranus who seemed to be moderating it. Uh, they kept everything running very very smoothly. It was a one. It was a lot of fun uh, to watch. I'll get kind of I'll get the best rounds of photos. Uh, to go up with this episode because there were a lot of them. There was an absolutely adorable Chibiusa there, uh, very a uh, little little girl. Uh, but she she was Chibiusa. She had a lunapy. Uh, <laughs> she was very very cute. She absolutely loved being part of the photo shoot. Uh, the other uh, Chibiusa Chibi Moon Black Lady cosplayers did a real a couple really great photos with her. Um, That's super cool. Rachel was an absolutely glorious Sailor Neptune. I want to put that out there. She was phenomenal. Uh, her friend who was with her as Sailor Pluto was also wonderful. Everyone really. There was a lot of really really great Sailor Moon cosplayers out there. Uh, if any of you are listening and your photos go up, feel free to leave us a comment. Let us know who you are. Uh, I'd, we'd be happy to add links back to your blogs with the photos. Uh, yeah, to, that'd be great. To credit you all for your absolutely wonderful work cosplaying these characters. Uh, it was really, really great seeing you all there. Uh, I wish there were a, there was a panel running at the same time, and I know there was one on Saturday that I wasn't able to make it to. Uh, Hmm. But I I had a really really good time at the photo shoot. Uh, I did end up having to take a lot of pictures on my 3ds, so they may be because my phone died. So uh, some of the photos oh, may, some of the photos may be at a slightly lesser quality. I'm not sure how well that thing takes photos. Hmm. Well, at least it can take photos. Yes. That's nice. So I was able to get the whole photo shoot. Uh, there was there was a really good demand there who had some great poses. There was uh he did some poses with all of the uh, Usagi's and Serenities. 
Oh man. Which were really good. <laughs> there there is one photo of that all of them snubbing him. That was really fun. <laughs> that's, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> it's really funny how when um fans take something out of its original context, it can become so delightful. Because like the stuff in the show with him is truly terrifying or terrible, if not terrifying. Yes. It's probably He's, both. He is awful. Um, <laughs> he is absolutely awful. But it's funny when you put it in a different context like yeah, when, that. Like, and I, I do, re- I do really appreciate the Sailor Moon fandoms and really all fandoms' willingness to have fun uh, with this stuff. I know at some Toku photo shoots I've done in the past, we've done a lot of really fun things. Um, I know a lot. One year, all of the in-suit cosplayers did a helmet switch, which was really funny. Um, trying to think of some other things. I can't even remember what I've done. I'm pretty sure uh, the year I did Philip, we had a couple really good poses with the double photo shoot. Um, our drive photo shoot was hysterical. We had a lot of fun with that. Uh, I know, I have a friend who's, uh, a fairly popular Dio in the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure cosplay scene. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing at the word you're trying to pick for, to describe I'm, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure fandom. I'm not really sure what to call it, but it is a magnificent group of people. Isn't it more of a lifestyle? Yeah, That's what I, I've heard. I actually sometimes forget that my friend is not Dio. Just <laughs> in in how Dio she has become. That's I, funny. I, I will scroll past JoJo cosplay photos that have Dio's in them that are not her and not realize <laughs> that it's not her. Because I'm like, no, she is Dio. Uh, but I know a lot of really fun photos have come of that. I know there is a photo somewhere of a black lady cosplayer like with with a frying pan just like making breakfast and it's one of my favorite cosplay photos. <laughs> that sounds pretty hilarious. But it, cosplay photo shoots are always fun and I would recommend anyone going to a con if a fandom that you're in a series that you like is having a photo shoot. Definitely just go and take pictures. There, Something fun always happens. Every time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, one day I'll get out to a con again. <laughs> it's been years. Anyway. Okay, well, thanks for sharing that. Um, I think we should uh, go ahead and close up. Yeah. Um, we'll, maybe we'll be back with more. I definitely want to do the Kaguya one. Yeah. Because um, I just like that myth overall. Yeah, no, that's that's a strange but entertaining movie. We do have uh, three three movies from the old series that we could do. Uh, depending how much time we need to fill before we find out whether or not there will be any more of Crystal. Uh, if there isn't, we can always... We've got uh, the live actions, we've got the musicals. It's true. We've got the entire 200-episode 90s series. There's plenty that we can dig into if we decide we want to continue. Yeah, I think definitely we'll do uh, at least a couple more before we find out the, the fate of Crystal. Um, overall. So, you can look forward to the movies, at least. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, thanks, Sono. It's been a pleasure talking to you, but, uh... Always is. It's time to go. (laughs) Always a pleasure doing this. Alright, and, uh, thanks everybody for listening, too. Yeah. And, uh, definitely, again, leave us comments. Let us know if you were any of those cosplayers. Oh, yeah. Contact us at all. We love hearing from you guys. We don't we don't hear from you guys as much as we do from uh from the Rider fans over on Uncommon Cast. Maybe we so. just need to get more Sailor Moon fans angry. Maybe. <laughs> that seems to work on RX. That's true. We do make everyone angry. <laughs> I, I and think I mean, we... when I will have Otakon things to talk about there too, because that I did I did go to a Rider panel. Oh boy! Oh, that's so. exciting. I went to a toy collecting panel, so that will be fun. Hmm. Uh, okay, well then, um, that's it for now, and um, 
I guess we'll uh, you'll hear you'll be hearing from us soon. Yeah, one way or another. And remember, the moonlight is the messenger of love. We will all 